So this Sunday, today is our sixth message uh, in a series of messages on Ecclesiastes. And we are uh, following this theme of Ecclesiastes' search for meaning as we walk through the book. Today is a message, and next week's message is a message that I come with before you with a little bit of fear and trembling because we're going to be talking about money, wealth, and possessions. And uh, it's kind of hard to talk about. And uh, there's a lot of other topics that are much easier to talk about and much nicer to talk about. This is where Ecclesiastes has us. We're going to be looking at chapter 5 and parts of chapter 6. And so, because here at GRX, we're trying to be uh, people that authentically follow Jesus Christ, that speak honestly with each other, the next two weeks are going to be looking at what Scripture is having us look at, which is money and wealth and possessions. And I was thinking about this because in Scripture, and, and especially in the life of Jesus, there are these two sides of the coin, really, that he talks about. There are certainly times where Jesus himself talks about this one aspect of money where it's the downside or the dangers. You can't serve both God and money, that Jesus talks about. Watch out for money. You know, it's got power. But also, if you look at the life of Jesus, there's also the upside The other side where he talks about wealth, money, possessions, where you see in Scripture where Jesus acknowledges that there's a good use or a proper use for wealth. I was looking at that in John 12 when Jesus is anointed by the costly perfume. He acknowledges that that's a great use of wealth. There's incredible generosity and lavish expression of provision that you see in the miracles of Jesus. So you see the wealth and the blessing and the generosity as well. So I think scripture holds both a downside and dangers of wealth and the upside and the blessings. And for Ecclesiastes, that's what we're going to look at for the next two weeks. Today, we're going to be looking at more the downside of money, wealth, and possessions. But next week, we'll look at the upside. And how do we see the upside of wealth and riches and money also present in Ecclesiastes? Let me just say one more thing just to try to set the stage before we dive into the actual passage. Sometimes, maybe out of our own life history, our own family of origin, there are other things wrapped up with money. Shame, there's guilt, there's obligation, Maybe some people, you're visiting GRX and maybe you come from another church and maybe your experience in that church was like really negative about money. Maybe you've even had experiences here at GRX where it's been really negative and churches shouldn't be talking about money or wealth or possessions. Um, And if you've kind of come in with any of that stuff and feeling guilt and shame or or even anger, this message um, brings up anger for you. There's actually, I want you to know what my aims are for the next two weeks. And if you can put it up on the slide, please. My aim, um, actually, there's two things that I'm hoping for for us. 
One, yeah, that was, that was it. That one, that we would have freedom. That we would have freedom. That we wouldn't be enslaved to money or wealth or possessions. That we wouldn't be enslaved to the power of money. But that we would have freedom. And that all that we have comes underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not that we're enslaved to money, that money's over us, but that the money comes underneath who we are as human beings and underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. And even if, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, maybe you're like, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't bring things under the lordship of Jesus Christ. But even if you're not a Christian, my hope is that through the things that um, I share in this week and next, that you would be thinking critically that you would be thinking critically about the role that money and wealth and possessions plays in your life. So with that, let's look to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and we'll be looking at verses 10 through 17. And um, as we look at this, I'll offer um, three reflections. Ecclesiastes 5 says this. God's word says this to us. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income, nor he who loves wealth will be satisfied with his income. This also is hevel. This also is smoke, meaninglessness, uh, vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. What advantage has the owner but to see them with his eyes. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer when he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Meaning, meaning, if you are rich, he's saying, if you've got lots of possessions and lots of wealth, you're not going to really sleep easy because you'll be anxious. That's kind of what he's getting at. Then he goes on to say this, there is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun, riches that were kept by their owner, to his hurt. Meaning, he has seen that wealth and possessions in some people's lives have been hoarded and held onto so much so that it, it hurts the person. It harms the person who, who owns them. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. It's fleeting. Our money is fleeting. He is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came. And this is something I'll reflect on again. And he shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Meaning at the time that we die, we're not going to be taking anything with us. This whole section is about money and wealth. Can we find ultimate meaning in that? He goes on to close with this. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. Meaning, he comes in without anything into the world. He leaves without anything. What gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Meaning, toiling for money and for riches. What gain is that? Moreover, all the days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. And there again, he's talking about the person that loves money and that loves wealth Really powerful imagery. The person whose life meaning is wrapped up in money, wealth, possessions. Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness 
and in much vexation and in sickness and in anger. That's a grim, it's a grim picture if our whole lives are devoted to money. Let me ask you these questions. I'm going to ask you a couple of true and false questions. And you can just answer these in your mind. Or if you want to, you can whisper out true or false. Just just to yourself. And all these true and false questions I'm going to do are to try to help each one of us have an understanding of how we feel about money. How do you feel at a visceral level about money? And these are questions that I've asked myself and have kind of brought up different things for me as I've answered these. So just just, uh, as I ask these questions, just answer for yourself true or false. Just quietly to yourself or in your mind. So here's the first statement. I feel like I have enough money. I worry about money. It's easy for me to give money away. In my life, I have had times where I'm stressed about finances. In my life, when I've lost money, I've been angry. If I'm honest with myself, money has some power over me. And last statement. When I donate money or am generous with my wealth, I feel good. Ecclesiastes is trying to have us engage with something that is foundational to who we are. Money, wealth, possessions. It's around us in every single culture, not just here in Silicon Valley, not just uh, in the uh, Middle East, in the time and the place of Ecclesiastes. It's prevalent in every society, in every culture, all through time. And so out of Ecclesiastes 5, the downside of money, I'm going to offer these three reflections that we get from the text. The first one is this, that loving money and wealth is hevel, that it's actually smoke if we love and hold on to money. Now, now don't get me wrong here. It's not that money is unuseful. Money is, money is useful. It's just, uh, possessions are useful. I mean, how we came to GRX today, right? Some came by car, some came by van, some came by bicycle. Like, we, we all got here by some kind of vehicle. Like, that's a possession. It's good. Transportation, healthcare, housing, all of those things, wealth, possession, there is goodness in those things. But what he's talking about here is loving riches or loving wealth. Those things will not bring meaning because he's talking about loving those things in a devotional kind of way. It's a little bit like this. I, I, brought, um, I brought my toolbox with me. Um, it's kind of, 
It's kind of cool. It's, um, I put all my hand tools in here and everything like this. And um, I was thinking about it. It's a little bit, it's a little bit like this. So I got, I got my hammer in here like this. And um, sort of collecting money and loving money would be a little bit like collecting and loving all these tools. Now, I could be a lover of tools. And I've got, I got my hammer here, and I got another hammer. I got two hammers, right? Like, how many hammers do you need, right? And then I've got, uh, I got my screwdriver, and I got another screwdriver, and then, and then I got another screwdriver. But this is a different screwdriver. This is a, this is a red one. And then, and then I got another screwdriver, and I just like got screwdrivers, and I'm just like, man, I love tools. I just love, love and I'm accumulating tools, and I'm collecting tools, and I, I'm amassing tools. I'm amassing a whole toolbox of tools. And, and then after that, actually, next to this toolbox, uh, I've got like a tool chest at home, and that tool chest is actually next to the eight other tool chests that I have at home. And I just got a big pile of tools. And then, um, so then like Daniel, like comes over to my house and goes, hey, I'm working on something in my house. I need to, to repair something. Um, can I, can I uh, use one of your tools? I'm like, no. Because <laughs> these are my tools. Like, like, I love my tools. Like, I, I'm just, I, I, it's, it's the love of the tools that's important. Because I'm amassing tools. Um, uh, but I, I don't really want to talk about how many tools I have because it's kind of shameful. So, so, Daniel, if you don't, like, go into my garage, I don't want you to see all my tools. But, that's, you know. Right? I mean, we laugh about that. Because that's not the use of tools. The proper use of tools is not to just amass them and hoard them and sit on them and keep them. The use of tools is to use them to repair, to build, and to create. And so that's the use of the tools. That's what we're supposed to be doing with them. And that's what I'm trying to teach also about money. That it's not just the loving of money, the amassing of it, the hoarding of it, the guarding of it, so they can't be used anywhere else. That money is actually a tool, and the, attention, and the intention of it is that it would be used, money used to create and to repair and to build. So just like tools. But the danger of it, the dark side of money, the downside, is that the love of money, the hoarding of it, is the hevel. That is the smoke. Okay, so the second thing, beyond just that loving money is hevel, the hoarding of it, the amassing of it is hevel. Number two, that riches can be kept to our hurt. Now, you might know someone in your life who is this way, that you've watched that in their life, their, their devotion to money, their love for money. Sometimes in our, in our area, it's a love or a devotion to the stock market. There's a commitment to the market that is so 
I don't, I don't want to say like, I, devout, that it's actually harmful, that it actually harms relationships because the commitment or the devotion to the market is so strong. In that great series of books, The Lord of the Rings, by J.R.R. Tolkien, there's a character in there that I believe really illustrates this. And if you know the series, his name is Gollum, or Smeagol. And uh, we've got a photograph of him, or a picture of him, and we'll put up here on the side. Now, this guy, if you don't know the story, uh, Gollum, he, he didn't always look like this. Like, he's losing his hair, and his eyes are really big, and he's really thin and pale. He used to be kind of like a more of a normal-looking guy. But what happened was, he came upon this ring, this gold ring called the Ring of Power. And it was this, for him, it was this incredibly valuable possession. It was so valuable to him that he was even willing to kill for it. He called it my precious. And he would, he would like put it in the palm of his hand and, 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 and different people that would encounter this ring would pet it and stroke it. But, but uh, Gollum, he would, he would keep it and he would hide it. And over the hundreds of years that Gollum had possession of this ring, he possessed it and it harmed him. It was to his hurt. See, because Gollum, he used to not live, he used to live outside. He used to be a part of a, a group of, of people called the river folk. And they would live on the river and they would fish and there would be trees and there would be birds. And that was where he used to live. But, but because of his devotion to the ring, his possession, he would clutch it tightly in his hand. And then he moved away from his people and he went and he crawled into a cave and he lived in darkness. And when he couldn't find the ring, he would get angry and he would get frustrated and he just withered away. And it was an incredible transformation. I was actually looking at different video clips to show you guys his transformation. But just even as I was watching it, it was so gruesome and so gnarly and so terrible. I'm like, man, I can't show this. It's so gnarly. I mean, Peter Jackson, when he did the films, he did a great job. So if you guys want to go and watch it at home later, you know, you guys can go and watch it. But it is just gnarly when you watch about his transformation. His transformation. And it was just like an Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 5, 17, were the transformation of Gollum. It was like this. Moreover, all his days, he eats in darkness, in much vexation, and sickness, and anger. It's like riches can be kept to our hurt. And I thought that Gollum epitomizes that. And that's the second downside of wealth. That's the, different, the second downside of riches. And then here's the third thing. The third thing, and this also comes out of Ecclesiastes. We can't take it with us. We can't take it with us. 
If you've been with us in Ecclesiastes, you know he talks about death and he talks about at the end of all of our life, like we're living in the temporal right now in the time. But in eternity, we can't take this with us. Ecclesiastes 5.15 says, As a man came from his mother's womb, so he shall go again. Naked as he came, he shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry it away in his hand. So you guys know that I'm technologically challenged. I'm not so good. Um, but you guys will kind of, you'll, hopefully you'll, you'll see how awesome I am with this. Um, earlier this year, I downloaded this thing called the Pete's Coffee app. And so here it is. I brought it up on my phone. It's a little small, but you can see it right here. Um, and I didn't know that you could do this, but I, I, I started doing this. It's really cool. So on the Pete's Coffee app, because I love Pete's Coffee, um, you, can, you can get a gift card. And uh, I used to just walk around with like gift cards in my wallet and that kind of stuff. But did you know that on the Pete's Coffee app, there's a part where you can touch on it that says Pete's card. And then you click on that like that, just like that. And then you load in your Pete's card onto your app. So when you go to Pete's and order your drink, you just like hold, hold your phone up to the, the reader and it takes your order and it checks you in so you get like the little bonus like points and it also deducts your card. That's awesome. That's awesome. Right? And, and I'll just let you guys know that I did that. <laughs> I did that. All right. That's totally cool. And I'm thinking, this is totally cool. So when I go to Pete's and I got $16.55 on my Pete's card, I am like feeling awesome. And I'm being like, yeah, I'll take the decaf latte. And oh, I got, I got some more, more, more money on that. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll get the scone. You know, and then the cool thing is like I can load more on this. I could even, like, hook up, like, my, my credit card on this. You know, it'd be cool. Like, I could take, like, a paycheck and, like, stick it into my Pete's card. <laughs> I'd, like, direct deposit, like, bam, right in there. And when I'm in Pete's, I'm like, woohoo! I got big-time cash on my Pete's card. But there's something else that I found out about my Pete's card. When I leave Pete's Coffee, this is no good. The moment I leave Pete's Coffee, this is no good. We're living in Pete's Coffee. And the moment you leave, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. That's the downside. That's the downside. All right. So what do we do with this? Here's some things that I'd just like you to think about and do as you go into this week. This week was the downside of money. Next week will be the upside. But here's some next steps. Some next steps. Could you put it on the next slide, please? Okay. So what I'd love for you to do this week is, one... How do you feel about money? 
I feel like I have enough money. You know, when I lost money, I can remember a specific time when I was really angry. How do you feel about money? Your life, growing up, how do you feel about it? What does it mean? How do you, you know, number one, reflect on that. How do you? Step number two, I would like for you to share, maybe with a friend, maybe in your life group, with somebody else. Share about it. Are you loving money too much? Are you devoted to the stock market too much? Are you keeping riches to your own hurt? And see, this is the thing. Only you can answer this question because only you know what's going on in your soul. Only you know what's going on there, right? What's going on, right? Are you keeping riches to your own hurt, right? Because again, like my goal is not for you to feel guilty or feel shameful. My goal is that you would think critically and then that you would have freedom, freedom around your money. Not that you'd be enslaved to it, but that you would have freedom for it, that your finances come underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. And then the third thing is this, to ask. Even as you spend time in prayer, and this is like an ask God question. God, what do you want me to do with the money and the wealth that I have? God, what do you want me to do with the money and wealth that I have? And this is an open-ended question. There's no, there's no um, guilt or shame in this. As a follower of Jesus Christ, this is a question we have to ask. You know, Jesus taught about it. Jesus taught about money. So for us, I'm asking us to come and ask God, God, what do you want me to do with money and wealth? Let me pray for us.